Okay, so we're sitting for five minutes. Do you have a time? Do you have the um, um, a timer? I have, I have a bell. Okay. And I also have a timer. Let me get it. <clears throat> okay. Just a second. All right, let's start. Okay, five minutes set. Okay. So we're in case number 15. Uh, would anybody uh, like to read the case? I think maybe. Happy to read it. Oh, go ahead, Stephanie, if you'd like. No. Nelda, please go ahead. <laughs> Well, I was actually going to volunteer you, Stephanie. I thought we'd go backwards in um, alphabetical. Uh, <laughs> sure, sure. That's, that sounds fine. Okay, so I'm just reading the case, right? Just the case, yeah. Okay, so since um, Peg is no longer here, Donna, I'm going to rely on you for pronunciation. So please correct me. Thank you. Dong Shan's three rounds of blows. When Dong Shan came to study with Yun Min, Yun Min asked him, Where have you just come from? Dong Shan said, Chadu. Yun Min asked, Where did you spend the summer? Dong Shan said, At Baochi Monastery in Hunan Province. Yun Min asked again, when did you leave there? Dong Shan said, the 25th day of the eighth month. Yun Min said, finally, today I give you three rounds of blows. The next day, Dong Shan went back to ask about this. Yesterday, you bestowed on me three rounds of blows, but I do not know where I was wrong. Yun Min said, you rice bag, You've been through Jiangxi and Hunan provinces, and you go about it like this? At this, Dong Shan was greatly enlightened. Okay, so now we sit.
for another five minutes with that. I guess we'll um, read the koan again, plus Yumen's uh, comment. And Nelda, would, would you do that? Okay, yes. When Dongshan came to study with Yumen, Yumen asked him, where have you just come from? Dongshan said, Chandu, Chadu. Yunmin asked, where did you spend the summer? Dongshan said, at Baochi Monastery in Hunan Province. Yunmin asked again, when did you leave there? Dongshan said, the 25th day of the eighth month. Yunmin said, finally, today I give you three rounds of blows. The next day, Dongshan went back to ask about this. Yesterday, you bestowed on me three rounds of blows, but I do not know where I was wrong. Yunmen said, you rice bag, you've been through Jiangxi and Hunan provinces and you go about it like this? At this, Dongshan was greatly enlightened. Woman's comment. At that moment, Yunmen immediately gave Dongshan the fundamental provisions and enabled him to come to life through another road so that the family would not be lonely and desolate. Dongshan spent the night in the sea of affirmation and denial. When morning came, he went again to Yunmen, who again exposed him thoroughly. Then and there, Dongshan was directly enlightened and he was not impetuous by nature. So I asked you, did Dongshan deserve the three rounds of blows or not? If you say he did, then all the grasses and trees and thickets and forests deserve them. If you say that he did not deserve the blows, then Yunmen, must, then Yunmen becomes a liar. Only if you can understand clearly here, are you able to share the same breath as Dongshan. Oh, keep going, right? The lion teaches its cub the secret. When the cubs jump up, 
the lioness kicks them down. For no reason, she gives a blow over the head. The first arrow only nicked him, but the second went deep. Okay, I guess we're going to sit for another uh, five minutes. And then when that five minutes is done, we're going to um, write for five minutes. I think now we go on to read um, Guagu's comment, uh, one paragraph at a time. And I don't know, I'm getting confused about the alphabet now. So let's just start at the front <laughs> and we'll start with um, Donna. All right. <clears throat> Guagu's comment. Chan Master Dongshan Shochu, 910-90, figures quite prominently in Gong'an literature and is not to be confused with Chang Master Dongshan Liangji of the Kaodong um, Chan lineage. Dongshan Shochu succeeded Chan Master Yunmen Wenyan, 864-949, to 949, 
one of the greatest luminaries in the classical period of the history of Chan. When he was a young monk, Yunmin is said to have been an exemplar, poised and eloquent in speech. He supposedly had a fabulous memory. With only one glance at a scripture, he was able to memorize it. As a Chan master, he is best known for his terse, direct answers. Sometimes he would give an answer of only one Chinese character, brief but right to the point. He often spoke from the perspective of awakening, which does not fixate on monk and lay, men and women, good and bad, right or wrong. Surely you have your own life experience. This case asks you, what is neither right nor wrong beyond your fixations? The present case took place upon Dongshan and Yunmin's first meeting and describes wonderfully the inner workings of the double sensation, the mind of wonderment in Gongong practice. Moreover, through this story, we get to see the workings of causes and conditions between teacher and student. In the Chan monastic tradition, after five years of ordination and studying the codes of conduct, a monastic typically sojourns to different places in search of a teacher under whom to practice. This case took place some years after Dongshan's ordination when Yun Men was already quite old. It is common that when a monk newly arrives at a monastery, he is questioned and sized up by the teacher. The few words they exchange will help the master understand the newcomer's spiritual caliber before he is welcomed into the community. The first meeting is also important for the student to measure his affinity with the teacher in question. Kim, I can't hear you. Okay, can you hear me now? Yes. <clears throat> I was helping someone and showing them the different settings and messed up mine today. <laughs> Okay, the purpose of Chan practice is to resolve the great matter of life and death to realize awakening. In American colloquial, not how do you say that word? Colloquial. 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 Uh, parlance. This great matter corresponds to the spiritual yearning to resolve the existential question of who am I? For example, out of all the things you could be doing at this moment, you have chosen to read this book. What is this? Something deep inside you that motivates you to do this. What is it that drives you <coughs> to practice meditation, to find freedom? That is the great matter that the practitioner should never forget. This is the beginner's mind, the foundation, the root. John practitioners are ever mindful of this. Of course, <clears throat> some people come to practice for many different reasons, such as for health reasons, to reduce stress, to live a happier life, 
or they come because someone has dragged them to meditation. People may not be driven by any existential question, but sooner or later, everyone must come face to face with it. One's meeting with a teacher may seem quite ordinary, but it was not so for Dongshan and Yunmin. Dongshan was from Guishu, is that how I say it? Province, basically in the middle western region of China. Yunmin was living in the south of China, more than a thousand miles away. There is no question of Dongshan's earnestness in seeking out Yunmin to help him. He was prepared to travel over many mountains by foot, a thousand miles over a long period of time, which he did. Along the way, he apparently stopped at other places, such as the Baochi Monastery in Hunan province. The first question Yunmin asked was, where are you from? Very naively, Dong Shan answered, Chadu, my hometown. Yunmin then asked a second question, where did you spend the summer? This may have taken place in October when the summer retreat had ended. Dong Shan replied, at Baochi Monastery in Hunan province. When did you leave there? August 25th. Chadu is in Guishou province in the center of China. Hunan is right below, but next to it. Jiangxi province is right next to Hunan province. And Guangdong, Dong Canton in the south is where Yunmen lived. Dongshan crossed three provinces just to get to Yunmen. The southern provinces of Jiangxi and Hunan were the strongholds of Chan during that time. There were many Chan masters there, which is why when Yunmen called him a rice bag, he added, you've been through Jiangxi and Hunan, and you go about it like this? Meaning, you've been visiting teachers in these regions, and this is how you practice? As I mentioned earlier, the key to Gong'an or Watu practice is to generate what is called the doubt sensation or the questioning mind, the mind of wonderment, not knowing, angst, with regard to the gongong or watu. It is through engaging in this great sense of questioning, of doubt, of wonderment, of not knowing that, that it is possible for the deluded mind to go from a scattered state to a concentrated state, from the concentrated state to the unified state, and from the mass or block of the unified state or oneness to suddenly shattering of it. This is Chan awakening. This case is actually very straightforward, quite simple. The young man merely set Dong Shan up in the quote, sea of affirmation and denial, unquote, and caused Dong Shan to question where he was wrong, why he was not affirmed. Dong Shan traveled three provinces trying to seek out young men. But young men just threw back at Dong Shan the great matter of life and death, 
something that must be discovered personally within. This matter cannot be known through concepts, books, doctrine, or ritual. It is not something outside you that you can seek after. It is not an answer that others can give you. Because you don't know, you go through life feeling dissatisfied, anguished. You go through life caught up in all of your patterns. You're muted, Kim. Oh, good. I get to read it again. <laughs> It is very hard for teachers to touch the heart of one who thinks he knows everything. Don't you think you know everything? Isn't it true that usually as soon as you hear something, your mind Im immediately starts churning, relating it to your own ideas and experiences? I'm sure my mind doesn't do this. The problem is that these accumulated life experiences, feelings, and knowledge do not truly define you. If you strip them away, then who are you? That's the question. That was a joke I made. I hope you know that. I got it. Okay, good. We're laughing, but we're muted. <laughs> Your experiences, feelings, and knowledge are pretty random. They come and go. You change your mind quite often. How reliable are they in helping you navigate life's ups and downs? If you were raised in a particular family, you would have a particular set of experiences. If you were raised in another, you would have a different outlook on life. It seems that you are a mere product of random events tossed around by the wind of causes and conditions. If something happens somewhere and you happen to be there, you have that experience. If you are in another spot, your experience will be different. So, free from these experiences, who are you? It's the theory of relativity, isn't it? Your sense of who you are varies according to the type of person you are. One type knows everything. Another feels like they know nothing and deserve nothing. Even when they're happy, they always blame themselves thinking, I don't deserve this happiness, or at least, oh, my happiness will be gone soon. People of yet another type always feel like they're being victimized, that throughout their life, other people have done them wrong and are the cause of their suffering. For them, anything negative that happens is always somebody else's fault. That's, there's still another type of person who placates, who always wants to please everybody, friends, family, husband, wife, colleagues. So 100 people will each experience a unique sense of who they are. No matter what kind of survival mechanism or sense of self you have, there is an underlying current of dissatisfaction, of dis-ease. These patterns or survival mechanisms help you navigate through life and live your life the way you know how to. However, they often cause you and other people problems and suffering. They are like unreliable, broken down crutches that you use to walk. 
And in a sense, no matter how precious these patterns are, how much you cherish them, how comfortable you are with your elaborate structures of patterns, beliefs, and coping mechanisms, and defend against their dissolution, you must question them. Do they define me? What is my true nature? The Chan approach is ultimately to expose the unreality of these strategies, reveal your inherent nature of freedom and awakening, which is your birthright. Because some people may not be ready for this, I have devised steps of practice and laid out stages of the path for you. These steps and stages refer to the four-step program described earlier and stages of meditation from scattered mind to concentrated mind to unified mind to no mind. I have also included many teachings for daily life and other signposts of the path throughout this book. These can lead you to a point where you will be strong enough to let go of everything that you have ever known, everything that, you, that gives you a sense of security. When you are ready, the task of your teacher is to pull the rug right out from under you and as if there were a knife right at your throat, leave you at a place where you cannot advance, cannot retreat, cannot go left and cannot go right. Pressed with this method, you suddenly realize the uselessness of vexations and let go. That's what Yun Men did for Dong Shan. The series of exchanges between Yun Men and Dong Shan is a setup for dropping <coughs> self-attachment. The timing has to be right. The teacher has to be clear-eyed so as to recognize the timing and the spiritual caliber of the student. Human recognized Dan Shan as a person with a great practice <coughs> who had just finished an intensive summer retreat and thought he had potential. So he presented a problem where there is no problem. He stirred up a wave just when the water had calmed and became become motionless. Dong Shan was shielded by his ease and stability, honesty and straightforward mind. Then Yu Min finally said, I give you three rounds of blows. This was to plant in Dong Shan because this guy had no sense of doubt, the seed of right and wrong, affirmation and denial, a natural doubt sensation. Because he was forthright and honest, down to earth, he was right. The phraseology of three rounds of blows is borrowed from the legal punishment system in pre-modern China. Each round of blows is 10 strikes to the body. Everyone in pre-modern times would know this. It is something that a judge or a magistrate would say to a criminal on trial. Here, Dong Shan was exposed and on trial for his own benefit because it led to his sleepless night of churning in the sea of right and wrong, wallowing in wonderment and angst, and was followed by great awakening the next day when he approached Yun Min again. The first arrow only nicked him, but the second went deep. Do you want me to go on? <laughs> okay. 
The first arrow is Yunmin's planting of the seed of doubt. The second arrow is telling Dongshan that he was a good-for-nothing rice bag. All night long, Dongshan wallowed in the sea of affirmation and denial. Why was I wrong? Why was I wrong? Yes, no, yes, no. Was it that I said? Was it that I said this? Was it that I said that? You have to put yourself in that situation to understand. The very first thing that Dongshan said to his teacher the next day was not, how are you, sir, this morning? It was, you granted me 30 blows. I do not know where I was wrong. Tell me, tell me, where was I wrong? This is the manifestation of the great doubt block. He was blocked and had become a block of not knowing. What a wonderful gift. <laughs> Young men had rekindled that spark in which all practitioners begin their journey of practice. Yet sometimes you forget your imperative of wanting to know your true nature and you get caught up with the bliss of spiritual practice, such as calming and clarity. It is up to the teacher to prod those of you who are right, to draw you out of the slumber of bliss in your comfort zone and go for the kill. Have you ever tried to help people who don't need or want your help? You can't help them. You have to make them wonder, make them think that you have something they don't have. Then they come to ask you questions. You never help a person when the person thinks he or she already knows the answer or when the person hasn't asked for your help. To teach requires expedient means. I remember in the monastery, because I was the youngest monk, I was always set to be in charge of the children and teenagers at the Buddhist summer camp. I liked kids. The lay members of the monastery always wanted to send their offspring to spend time with me. Meanwhile, how many teenagers do you know who like to go to Buddhist summer camps? Most likely they were forced by their parents to be there. So basically, I had to deal with a group of kids who mostly really didn't want to be there. But I had a few things up my sleeve. I spoke English, and that was cool for Chinese kids. I was also a skateboarder and had competed when I was young. That was also cool for them. Moreover, I had been in a hardcore punk band, which was just what won them over. So I shared stories with them, told them about my skateboarding days and of my punk rock days. They'd say, hey, this monk is pretty cool. He was a punk rocker. Wow, you were in that band? How did you become a monk? I first told them those things to draw their interest and then I'd come in for the kill. Once they were in the palm of my hand, I taught them something they would never have dreamed of doing, sitting meditation. Self-teaching. <laughs> <laughs> Similarly, once Dong Shan was in the palm of young men's hand, wallowing in the sea of affirmation and denial, Yan Men went in for the kill. Even though I'm revealing the secret of a Chan teacher's method to help people, still, you have no idea when I'll be drawing you out 
and going for the kill. It could be anything. The real question is, are you ripe for such a teaching? For this reason, Wu Men turns this case around and encourages us to be in Dongshan's shoes. So I ask all of you, did Dongshan deserve the three rounds of blows or not? If you say he did, then all the grasses and trees and thickets and forests deserve them. If you say he did not deserve the blows, then Yun Men becomes a liar. Only if you can understand clearly here are you able to share the same breadth as Dong Shan. It is up to you to take up this case and bring yourself to the point where yes is wrong and no is also wrong. How will you respond? Your knowledge and experience won't help you. They are just the result of random, fleeting, unreliable conditions. You must respond to woman's question as in life without the dualistic mind of vexations. Can you do that? Can you share the same breath <coughs> as Dong Chan? Some people travel a great distance to practice at my center. I don't call them rice bags because that is a Chinese cultural expression. They may not even eat rice that often. I do, however, ask them this, coming and going here and there is this the way you live your life? Next time someone scolds you and you get angry, or next time you become jealous or envious or you desire things you don't need, ask yourself this, coming and going here and there, how am I living my life? Treasure yourself. Well, now we get to discuss. Hmm. So I've wanted to say this for a long time and I'm so glad Lori's here <laughs> because it involves Lori. Uh -oh. <laughs> so, uh, how long ago was it? So I think I've been at Appamata, I keep saying three years, but I think it's a little shorter than that. It might be a few months away from three years. I can't remember. And when I was early, early there, I remember going in um, on a Sunday and Lori was there to talk with her, you know, where we can, I don't know all the words, folks, forgive me. I'm just going to tell the story. Lori was there in Peg's little office where you can meet privately and, and have a practice discussion and what was heavy on my mind, and I'll keep this a little shorter than I usually do, was I was dating someone at the time who didn't show affection. And it was, and I so needed these hugs in a certain way and so on. And so I go in with, you know, my heart all upset um, to talk with Lori and my focus is um, I don't remember what my focus was, but it certainly wasn't what her reply gave me um, <laughs> or spoke to. I guess my focus was teach me how to be comfortable with this, or I, I don't know what I wanted. I just, I, I wanted to wrap my mind around my agitation and my upset. And so I'm telling this story and 
Lori just says, in Lori's wonderful way, because you're so real. I just love it. She goes, well, that's a story. Oh. <laughs> now, being new to Zen Buddhism, I had, I had no idea what it meant when someone said, that's a story. I mean, I didn't even know about, you know, caught in, in this self-centered mind, only suffering. I, I didn't know any of that. And I'm thinking... What does she mean by that? I, I, it has taken, it took, well, up until, um, I guess, the middle of the precepts class. So it took me a, a year and a half to go, oh, I see. So thank you, Lori. <laughs> Are you saying that she created doubt? What is this, this great, this great doubt? <laughs> this confusion, this what? I had nothing to hang on to when I left. I'm like, I don't know where to go with this. I was more agitated and upset when I went in. But I'm, I'm learning, I'm learning. So thank you again, all of you <laughs> for being so the teacher. There was a photographer who, uh, used to say people go on vacation and forget to take themselves with them. And that really matches up to the koan for me because he went to all these places, but he didn't experience anything. I mean, that's how I'm reading it. That yeah. that was the problem with his answer. He was purely in the, the, the um, relative world. And he, you know, like, how could you go to all those places and not be altered, not be changed, not feel something? Is that how you guys are re reading it? No, I wasn't thinking that. I, I no. was, I was thinking um, when we, uh, who, who was the first, who's Wu Men's comment? And I was putting myself in Dongshan's place, and I was thinking, well, he was just responding in a as, as uh, men said, in a very forthright manner to each question, giving what he thought was the, you know, the clear, you know, answer according to what he believed was being asked. And then he gets beaten, you know? <laughs> and, um, you know, so, so the whole koan to me, you know, when I, you put yourself in that place is sort of like, well, what in the heck did I do wrong? And then he was so honest that he came back the next day and said, why did you beat me? What did I say wrong? I mean, you know, and um, yeah, you know, so I don't know, Kim, I, I was kind of thinking too, that all the places that he went, and I like the way they explained it with men here, um, talking about how they'd have five years of, of spiritual practice, and he'd been to monasteries, and he'd you know, traveled and done things. And of course, what are we learning with Buddhism? We're learning that the self that we think we are isn't, you know, what we, we are what we think we are, in other words. And so, but in that moment of being questioned, he very innocently, the way we all do, answer as a self. I would, anybody would. So that's why it's not entirely wrong. It's sort of like we are a self, a big self with a capital S or true nature, but we're also this, you know, and yet the teacher made him stop. And I, you know, I, I didn't get that until I read 
Well, you're changing, you're changing my thoughts about this. So maybe where he knew all these places he had been, the three rounds suggested that maybe he didn't know. I don't know. I, I don't know that that was it for me. For me, it was just sort of, um, he goes to a teacher who basically just stops him up short and, um, and then when he said at the very end, I don't know if you guys got this, you know, in the koan, he said, you went to all those places basically, and this is all you got to show for it. Or, you know, you rice bag, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, you know, and then Dong Chang, you know, has an enlightenment moment, you know, so, um, I'm not clear exactly why, except, um, yeah, my thought was maybe then he realized that he'd been coming from a place of little me in the previous conversation and you men was trying to point to the big me, you know, I, I don't know, or the big or true nature. Um, I'm not sure, but I, I really love the whole koan to tell you the truth. I, I don't know how you guys felt about it. So, you know, I'd like to hear somebody else. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, I'm sorry, Donna, did you want to go? No, you go ahead. Oh, I'm just going to make one point. Is it, um, you know, the question about whether he deserves that blow or not, I think is, doesn't, to me, is not the question. That Actually, the blows were a gift is the way I looked at it because mm -hmm. it woke him up. You know, it took him all night to, to work through it, but it was... It was a gift. They do that kind of stuff all the time in these koans. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> Deserve was the wrong word. It was not the appropriate word. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was it's not deserve. It's it's he's offering a gift in actuality in a rather <laughs> um, harsh way. Perhaps. Effective way though. Yeah, so, go ahead. I, I just wanted to say, I before I, I read the um, Google Go's comment, you know, before we read that, when I was writing, what I thought was that um, it wasn't about whether or not um, Dong Shan deserved the blows or not, whether or not he gave a wrong or right answer. That was not what it was about. That to me, it felt like it was strictly a gift to wake him up. It had nothing to do with his answers. And it made me think of what Flint talked about one time during an intensive, um, if Lori, you may have been there, or Gail, when he talked about how the teacher would walk behind yeah. the student. Yeah. And, or Kim, I know you were there and, and hit him with a stick. <laughs> and he, he did that for us. And it was very, it was like, oh, <laughs> Well, it relieved the pain, actually. Yeah, yeah. And that was, it was never, as far as Flint went, it was never uh, to wake you up necessarily at all, but just to relieve the pain because the muscles are so tense from sitting. Yeah. And so it was a gift. It and was. I was begging for it the last, the entrustment <laughs> intensity. My back was killing me and he didn't come with his stick. I was upset. <laughs> Where's that stick? <laughs> Donna, I'm curious what you think about this um, koan. 
Well, I, I, I don't think I can speak to the whole thing, but what I was particularly drawn to was the part uh, in Wu Men's com comment where he said, so I ask you, did Dong Shan deserve the three rounds of blows or not? If you say he did, then all the grasses and trees, thickets and forests deserve them. And so that to me somehow gave the sense that Dong Shan's response was a natural response. Um, you know, the, the, the small, the small me, I guess you, like you were saying, Gail. Um, but then, but then it was like, well, you know, there's always this sense that it, it, that awakening, you know, it, it, it is our natural state. So, um, hmm, <laughs> what's going on here? Um, how, you know, how, how does one respond to these fairly, you know, direct questions in an enlightened state of mind? Is that where, you know, somebody, you know, puts the, uh, the sandal on their head? Is that, you know, the kind of response that Yunmin was looking for <laughs> in the first place? Yeah, let's just wait and see. Do you know, it's uh, that's the way I, I look at it because I felt the same way, Donna. I felt that it was a very innocent Dong Shang answering. And I really like where, um, who was it? Uh, uh, Guo Gu's, was it uh, Guo Gu's? No, no, it was uh, in the first guy. He said, the lion teaches its club the secret. When the cub jumps up, the lioness kicks them down for no reason. She gives them a blow over the head. The first arrow only nicked him, but the second went deep. I liked all of that because I felt like Dong Chong is like the, the cub, you know, just being his natural self. But there really is more that the mother has to teach. <laughs> and so she's going to go about it by, you know, you know, hitting him on the head or giving him 30 blows or, you know, whatever. But I think, but I think, I don't think that there are two separate entities, a little me and then true nature. Mm -hmm. I think they're all the one. It's just the experience we happen to be having in the moment. Um, but I mean, that's, you know, that's what I think, but I can't say I actually know. <laughs> um, Yeah, and in the same same token, the you know the the mother cub is saving the life of her teaching him, you know, saying, and I think it's the same thing with the sky teaching him, saving his life. Yeah, and it, apparently they were a good match. I liked where um, uh, Wu Min was saying that you know um, it was common for them to question the new. Um, uh, monk who came into the monastery, the teacher, and he'd get a sense of where he is. And apparently, um, young men got this idea that uh, there was, like, like he said, there was no doubt in Dongshan. He thought he was answering correctly. And so he needed to give him that doubt as a gift. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I kind of liked that whole scenario. I didn't know that they did that, but uh, yeah, it makes sense. That's sort of where 
in that that part of the reading where this reflected my my walk or part of my walk. I remember when I first got to Appamata, I was gonna get this thing done, figure out who had taken the longest to become enlightened, cut that time in half, you know, <laughs> learn it all, know everything. And then, uh, and still, do still go through these periods of getting agitated by not knowing, not knowing, not having the, the answer. And so I'm sort of in that part, maybe it's a lifelong part, which yay, I guess it's a gift. It sometimes doesn't feel like it, but of, of being unsettled and uncomfortable with not knowing. And I'm, I'm getting more and more comfortable And that, that person who was like, yeah, how long has Peg been doing this? Oh, I can do it in 25 years. That, that person's kind of gone. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, what a, what a small mind that thought came from. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, so I guess I've told some of you that, that um, my first teacher, I had lunch with him like five years after I'd been with him. And he said to me, you seem to be rushing things. You have many lifetimes. And I thought that was so neat. Did you, you know, say, so, oh, no? <laughs> no, no. I thought it was a lot to look forward to. I like that. But he always complained that I was so discursive. And I think that... Uh, that that was happening in this koan too, where he's being very discursive and thinking all night, was I right, was I wrong, what went wrong. Now there's Stephanie's clock. I kind of like the discussion that uh, Wu Men was talking about um, helping people. Um, you know, you can't, you can't teach anybody who really isn't asking to be taught. <laughs> you know, they don't really enough, you know, uh, and of course my whole life I've spent trying to fix people and, you know, and tell them things they didn't want to know or hear, you know. There's a psychologist, William Glasser, and he has this idea of the quality space and that no one will listen to you until uh, they're, you're in their quality space. Those are the people you listen to. So we have a really big divide between the people we'll listen to. They can say anything to us and the people we don't. You know, often parents are not in the kids' quality space. <laughs> <laughs> so anything we say just goes off into the air. Right. <laughs> and that's what he did is he got with the skateboarding and with the punk rock band, he, he got the, the kids in the quality. And then, then he's, he can do anything he wants. Yeah, I, I remember Flint uh, telling me an inquiry once when I got up and I was asking about helping. I don't know who I was going to help, probably my son or everybody else I'm associated with. And he said, he, he said, it, I thought it was, it was some, you know, uh, challenge, some horrible thing was happening and I wanted to help. And Flint cut me off. I don't know if you all remember, but he said, he's probably said it to many of us. He said, don't help. <laughs> And um, I said, what do you mean don't help? What do you mean don't help? I mean, aren't we supposed to want to help others, you know? And he said, 
there are three, what were the three things for not helping? I don't know if you've heard him say it. He says, here's how you can tell. He says, here's how you can tell that you shouldn't help. He said, number one, they didn't ask. Yeah. <laughs> number two, they asked, but you're really not sure if you want to do it or not. You know, you're kind of on the fence. You're not 100%. Don't help. Number three, they ask. You want to help, and they don't do 50% of the work. Hmm. You're doing all of it. He says, so those are the three ways you know not to help. I thought that was so cool. I remembered that. And that was like nine or 10 years ago. It's one of the first things he said. I listened closely to that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll text it to you. <laughs> oh, I got it written down. I just wrote it. <laughs> yeah. But that's what it reminded me of, that discussion about helping. Um, well, we read too about how the timing is so important, which kind of is what you were alluding to too. <coughs> that uh, traditionally they would know, I mean, the next person can't, might come and the three blows would be totally you know, useless, harmful. Right. Didn't he talk about the two different, you know, different, he kind of gave his examples with men, uh, different types of personalities. So Dong Shan was more of a, to me, it'd be more like me, a little codependent. Like, what did I do wrong? He came back, like, what did I do wrong? You know, and somebody else might be like, you son of a gun, that, you know, wasn't fair. And, you know, want to fight about it, you know? So that's interesting. You have to have a good teacher to know, you know, kind of kind of gauge their student to know what would be effective. In in the Vimalakirti um, Sutra, there's a lot of this. It comes up many times about knowing when a student is ready. There's a big emphasis on that. Not um, not uh, putting them in a in a, in a in a position or a higher position or not forcing them into something until they're absolutely ready. And we have to know that too about ourselves. Like when are we ready to do to travel? When are we ready to be in a relationship? All this. Yeah. Yeah. When are we ready to have kids? Yeah. I'm when getting ready to have kids. <laughs> By the time they're 50, I'll be ready. <laughs> Too late for me. <laughs> Those decisions were made. <laughs> Complete ignorance. <laughs> I think that's true in the spiritual path as well. When we started, you know, are you, when is one ready to take on a role, you know, or take on another role or be a head student or, you know, whatever. You know, my kids were so great uh, Sunday. Um, you know, I told them that I had this idea that Appomattox could just be a virtual community and never needed a place. And they just lit, is that the expression, lit into me? And the dad, it needs a place. 
need to have a place. And they went on and on and on. And they're both, they both have two kids each who are in elementary school. And, you know, they're both university professors and they're both dealing with this hybrid thing. And, and um, um, so anyway, it was really neat. Yeah, we can't just have a P.O. box. No. <laughs> you know, being ready, it, it's interesting. Um, I've had to kind of pay attention. Um, and we've all had, I think this, you know, where you'll read something or you'll hear something um, that you know that you were told five years ago or that you read, you know, years ago, but all of a sudden now you get it. Mm -hmm now it resonates you know you didn't even notice or, or remember practically you know what it is that's resonating with you now and um you know i think byron katie has said um not to worry about whether you understand anything or hear what you should hear she says how do you know that you heard what you needed to hear because you heard it so I kind of trust, you know, that I, there's something in me that hears what it needs to hear, what it needs to hear it. But what really uh, fascinates me is what Lori's talking about is how does a teacher know that? Yeah. You know? That's strange you're saying that because for years, up until recently, I thought that if I didn't listen, and something important was being said, I'd hear it. And now I realize that's ridiculous. You know, if you're not in this listening state, you won't hear it. So how does that relate to what you were saying? No, I'm saying that when something really resonates with me, <coughs> that's what I needed to hear in that moment. But you have, to have, the, you have to have the speaker on or the microphone on or whatever it is. Well, I don't know. I can't even control that. All I know is sometimes things really hit me. Uh, the same thing I heard three years before, but it didn't hit me. Yeah, well, that's and true. I and I can't say I can't say that I should have been listening because I wasn't listening. But now I am, and it resonates. You know, and I I don't know what the mechanism for that is. I kind of think it's your own inner guru. You know, <laughs> in other words, it. You hear what you need to hear when you need to hear it. I guess that's what I would think. Sometimes I'll listen to a recording of something I heard and then, you know, you know, can't believe that that was said the first time. The things, there are things, Gail, I was just processing and thinking about what you said. There are things that I list, have listened to in the past that I was listening to them, but they didn't stick. They didn't resonate because the road hadn't been paved yet for them to stick. And then three years later, six months, a day, whatever, however long the period, all of a sudden it just, I, I'm sorry, I, I have this image and it's a, a Mexican saying, or probably more than just Mexican that we used to say, 
Cayó el 20, cayó el 20 means the 20 cent piece fell in the piggy bank slot. All of a sudden it's like, chum. And, and, and that's how those things are. And which drives parents crazy sometimes because they'll tell you the same thing or I'll tell, you know, used to tell my son the same thing a thousand times. And it wasn't until the path had been paved, the road had been laid that, that he'd go, and then it, then it all fit, but with all, without all of that um, surrounding support structure, no, it wouldn't have resonated back when. Which is why so many of us who are older say, oh, I wish I'd known then what I know now, because as we've gone along the way, we've, we've, we've picked up this wisdom, this structure of understanding through these experiences and so on, so. Anyway. How did you like sitting before reading the koan the first time? Donna liked it. I really liked it. I'm, I'm always good with sitting. <laughs> yeah. And I love Lori's bell. Oh my gosh, the resonance goes on and on. Oh, I love that bell. That's why I, I that's why I got it because it was <sighs> kept going and going. Yeah. I thought it'd be nice. Of course, it's kind of a pain if you want to hit it three times. You got to wait a while, but <laughs> but I like that in a bell. Yeah, they layered each each time you hit it. It layered upon the previous one, and it was beautiful. Lori, do you remember that bell that? Um, some kind of bowl that uh, belonged to um, what's her name? The house we were at in Nambe. Yes, that was made out of like glass. Yeah, and yeah, when Flint hit it, it went on for minutes. Yeah, it was amazing. I remember somebody got one of those. Gee whiz, I think it was like ten years ago, and they had that, and I, everybody was getting excited about buying those. Um, it's pretty pretty powerful yeah it's beautiful yeah it kind of uh when the bell bell reverberates like that it's sort of you, mm -hmm. you follow it and follow it and follow it until it gets completely still and then yeah. all of a sudden the stillness feels so powerful yes yes yeah i think that's one of the things i miss most about sitting in the zendo Mm. It's scary when someone, Lauren was, she was really good about hitting, hitting the bell just right. Mm. And, oh, it was so wonderful to hear. It's music when it's done right. Yeah, it is. I miss sitting with everybody in the Zendo. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Do you all, um, any of you do Zazen in the mornings? I do Zazen every morning. Okay. I, I just do it at home. I haven't done it with. Oh yeah. I just, I don't, yeah. I don't do it with Appamata because I do it early before. It's really I, sweet in, in, on Zoom. It's, I really like it. I might try tomorrow. I might delay sure. sitting. 
Yeah, it's, it's really quiet and nice. Yeah, I, I was thinking of, um, you know, zooming in for uh, early morning, you know, Azaz and I, I sit so much at home and it's so comfortable that I almost forget what it feels like to do it with people. It's been so long. Yeah. Yeah. Next, you know, uh, I look right at the screen. Many people look to the side, but I really enjoy that too. Thank you for that, Kim. I'm going to try it. Then. Oh, good. Yeah. I look at the screen too. I don't go to the side. I feel like I'm more I'm more a part of part of it looking at the screen. With the other people better. Well, guys, I need to get my old dog out. Okay, I need to get my got my imaginary dog out <laughs> and my zebra. Well, I'll see you guys. Yeah, I'll see Thank you guys you. next Monday. Thank you guys. Bye. Good night, Bye -bye. everybody. Have a good, good evening. Night. Good night.